Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And we're live. Wow, there's no music or countdown? That's amazing. Well, folks, wow. it's the one only Vita. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on here. It's just uh, remove. Go, yeah, uh, usually I need just, that 30-second meditation to, to be functional. I know. I, 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 know, I know. I, I know. I feel like I've already stumbled on the first uh, step in the run. <laughs> Seriously. I think I, I think <laughs> thanks to me, we both stumbled out of the gate. <laughs> uh, majestic. Oh, man. All right, folks. Hopefully this is broadcasting on uh, – on everything uh yeah it's broadcasting on youtube and uh twitch and okay. a bunch of other streams uh, i think periscope is down i'm not sure i have no idea i have no idea i don't know what i'm doing this is what happens when el cuco is not here anyway folks it is the one and only v the girl economist and we have with us the man who needs no introduction and if you don't have your notebooks get them ready and uh, get your recorders out and uh go back and listen to this uh, broadcast multiple times because we have Matthew Aridon. Matthew Arid, you can find his work over at the Rising Tide Foundation. Dot, is it org or com? Uh, neither. Net. Dot net. Rising Tide Foundation. Dot net, as well as Canadian Patriot. Dot org. Yes. That org. Good. And folks, with that being said, the links will be in the description box. I'm flying solo, so I'm playing producer because CJ's not here, and I'm terrified because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I have no clue what all these buttons are. Just don't press buttons. Just just do what you're good at. Just talk. That's it, man. I'm just I just hit live. Uh, that's all I'm gonna do. And then when the stream yeah. is over, I'm gonna hit end broadcast. Everything else, I'm not touching. I'm terrified here. Anyway, <laughs> Matt, we welcome back, my man. We have a lot yeah. to cover. Yeah, absolutely. a lot of ground to cover because there's a lot of stuff happening, especially in the Middle East, um, mm-hmm. around the world, and even here, uh, geopolitical, geostrategically, as the Anglo-American power structure begins to crumble and fall apart. It is looking for excuses. It is looking for victims to blame. It is looking for any excuse not to be the uh, finger pointing uh, in its direction. So where do you yeah. want to begin, man? Well, I, I think the two points, I, the, the overarching theme I'd like us to, to, to be governed by, in a sense, in, the, in our discussion is PSYOPs. Uh, how are PSYOPs run by intelligence agencies, which shape our entire history. Um, the present situation is not devoid from the entire 2,000-year pattern of intelligence operations and empire manipulating people to destroy themselves and to subvert their own best interests. That's This is something investigatable, but there's a lot of um, uh, compartmentalization, I guess, is a word for it, where people have been induced to think, okay, the past is the past, and the, pr- the present matters. That's, that's really what I need to think about. And they don't really figure out how the they're, they're one in the same process. So I'd like to talk about how, again, PSYOPs is, is operated, how cult formation, cult ideologies are created, uh, how, how populations are profiled, um, and then de- deployed and weaponized to, again, subvert themselves so that there doesn't need to be a physical force going in and influencing every moment in a process. Um, like a lot of naive conspiracy theorists tend to think, you know, they have that fight club view of conspiracy theory, you know, that you, you get where yeah. everybody's just in on it, literally knows that they're a part of. No, that's not how this works. 
Um, and so the, the two elements as case studies, I think that mesh quite well together that you and I have been discussing involves, yeah, the, the inflammation in the Middle East, um, which is just going from insane to more insane every passing day. Um, so understanding a little bit of that dynamic, how it's shaping Western perceptions, how it's being shaped by intelligence processes, and then also looking at the, the misdirection um, of an enemy image. So the creation of an enemy image from where it should be, um, which is, again, you, you mentioned Anglo-American intelligence, um, which is something, again, in front of everybody's face um, all over the place, both in terms of running the, the recent coup in the United States, but also, I mean, it's everywhere. Um, but people aren't looking at that because they're being led to believe that the, the global Satan is, is actually China and then secondarily Russia, but mostly China that created the coronavirus in a Wuhan lab that deployed it, weaponized it to subvert Western values and to create a global empire. And I'm seeing this spread like wildfire. So I want to unpack both of those things a little bit. And it's pissing me off a little bit how susceptible a lot of smart people are to this narrative, which is not just being, it's not just CNN and Fox News anymore. It's, it's filtered down to a lot of alternative media and a lot of people who tend to be aware of conspiracy depopulation agendas that they've discovered exist as part of the Great Reset. A lot of people who are aware of these things and who are thus in a position by their own knowledge of it to do something about it. Uh, are being very, very easily, um, they're, they're, they're just slipping into this, this controlled narrative that, um, and it's very overly simplistic, that because of certain uh, uh, pieces of evidence, like for example, the receipts that we know are there, they're provable, they've been provable for a year, going back from Anthony Fauci's NIH, uh, National Institute of Health, uh, to the Wuhan labs and to other labs in China, um, from 2017, when a moratorium on certain gain-of-function investigations were being, or research was being halted inside of U.S. borders, it was being exported. Uh, you know, we know that through the EcoHealth Alliance, like that's being pumped and reproduced and reproduced so much. Sky News covered it in one way, and, and it's, it's on Joe Rogan, it's everywhere. So we, and we've known this since again last year, this evidence is not new, it's not like a big revelation that there has been that. Um, we know that this is probably not a probably I'm persuaded that this, whatever this novel coronavirus is, um, it was not naturally occurring as a natural form of evolution. But the question is, where did, did it actually do these points, do these receipts and non-existent evidence that we're being told exists, but actually there's no evidence of it. Like these lists of communist party officials infiltrating the West that doesn't really seem to even exist, but it's being repeated. Does this all mean that China actually did it? That the, that Xi Jinping was like Doctor Evil deploying this thing, or is there other um, more reasonable um, culprits at, in this process, uh, which has resulted in again the accelerated breakdown of the financial system? The I mean the Great Reset is and Klaus Schwab has been very clear what they want to use this coronavirus thing for, and it's been pre-planned, right? We've seen examples from not only Event Two Hundred One from September two thousand and nineteen. Uh, sponsored by the World Economic Forum and the CIA and Bill Gates, but we've also seen uh, the Rockefeller Foundation uh, pandemic planning scenarios that use novel coronaviruses uh, back in 2011 called Operation Lockstep. Uh, we've seen this go back all the way to Dark Winter that Whitney Webb had covered very well um, in the in 2000, uh, 2001, June, mm -hmm. on, uh, again, weaponized in that case. It was smallpox being deployed 
from Iraq to destroy the United States. And, and it was a whole war game scenario about basically doing what we did to Iraq, except with the excuse of buildings in, uh, being hit by planes instead of uh, the scenario that they had, they had generated in their war game uh, sessions. But the point is that this, is, this, this thing has been going on for a while. So it wasn't a leak. Like to, to start saying that, okay, it was a leak from the Wuhan lab has implications because evidence actually is is show, showing us that this has been pre-planned. It, it would have been consciously deployed, whatever this thing was, um, as a gain-of-function thing with HIV, uh, you know, uh, genes spliced in, um, which is what seems to be the evidence points to that. I'm, I'm not an expert, but I've seen a lot of experts who have said that. Yeah, you had uh, the Indian scientist that actually published a paper uh, they show the insertion points where there's four insertion points and the HIV virus uh, components were added to the coronavirus to make it more, um, more uh, number one, virulent. Uh, number two, create a cytokine storm for those who are uh, in the vulnerable population and to really be extremely uh, contagious. And these yeah. guys should put that out there. And within, I don't know, a week or two of it being published, all of a sudden it was taken down. And people would think, oh, it's because of the Chinese. They don't want the, Ch the Chinese people. The Chinese government pressured the Indians. That's never going to happen, folks. There's only one government. There's only one overarching group of people in, I'd say, in this last century alone who have shown an incredible aptitude of influence, an incredible aptitude of prowess, an incredible aptitude of financial uh, leverage mm -hmm. to cause that kind of embezzlement mayhem. And, and most of all, the level of hatred and apathy to its own citizenry. And that is something, Matt, I don't think people will find in China, but they could find it in mm, Washington, D.C., City of London, yeah. UK, U, uh, EU. I mean, the list well, goes on. Well, that's where I, I think that understanding um, the process of, of, of understanding, like thinking about thinking is, is underappreciated. And, and when we come to an assessment of something in terms of motive, principled motive, like that's where causality is located is in motive when it comes to human society. Um, that's where intention is coming. That comes from too. That, that's why people who say, I don't believe in conspiracy theories have been brainwashed into thinking that things don't have cause or motive. They just happen randomly. And somehow you have self-organizing systems out of complexity. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's like an excuse to not think that's been given right. to them and fed to them in school. Um, but you, you know, yeah, who has the motive, who has the modus operandi, who has the, uh, the history of doing these things and the means of carrying them out. Um, there's something that isn't being reported and hasn't been reported in the Western media, which I want to point out as a, as a quote, um, from the, uh, the head of the Chinese CDC in uh, February of 2021, uh, where he, he asked, and this is, uh, I think it's Zhao Guang. Um, I have got the quote here where he said, and this is only in Chinese media, you'd read this, but he said, why are there so many laboratories in the United States when uh, biology labs are all over the world? What is, its per what is the purpose? On many things, the United States requires others to be open and transparent, only to find that it is the United States itself that is often the most opaque. Whether or not the United States has any special fame on the issue of the new uh, coronavirus this time, it should have the courage to be open and transparent. Um, then it says, you know, stop basically being hypocrite. And then that was followed a few days later by the spokesman for the Chinese foreign ministry who made a very good point. Um, his name was uh, Hua Chunying. And he said, in regards to the Pentagon's globally extended array of, of BSL-4 and bioweapons laboratories, of which there are a lot 
and we don't even know exactly the number. The Russian foreign ministry says uh, 65 approximately outside of the U.S. itself, um, which all grew out of 9-11. Keep that in mind. But he said, um, I'd like to stress that if the United States truly respects facts, it should open the biological lab at Fort Detrick, give more transparency to issues like the 200 plus overseas biolabs, invite the World Health Organization experts to conduct origin tracing in the United States and respond to the concerns from the international community with real actions. Now, I'm not saying that Fauci, the World Health Organization, uh, Gates didn't have and don't have to, uh, weird connections into the Wuhan Virology Lab. It's one of two BSL-4 labs in all of China. China has none outside of its borders, and it has two inside that have the capability of producing something like this. The U.S. has, well, according to this estimate, 200. The Russian Foreign Ministry um, says about 65. Again, the numbers vacillate, but we know a major black budget has been created and an official on hmm. over-the-top uh, budget, like uh, oh, uh, over-the-table budget? I don't know. Official budget. Uh, grew out of uh, the anthrax attack of December 2001. And we know that just like 9-11 uh, was an inside job, that was, I think, conclusively, I, I've been persuaded, I think your audience, if people are watching this show, they've probably also been persuaded of the evidence that the official narrative is bunk. It was pre-planned to get a certain political consequence of a surveillance state in the U.S., as well as a broader new type of geopolitical military operation in the Middle East and abroad. Um, which has just run roughshod over the past 20 years. But it wasn't just 9-11. It was also the anthrax attack that killed five Americans. And it was also discovered to be an inside job where they threw basically somebody, a, a disposable FBI operative under the bus as the, the cause of it, a disenchanted guy who had like somehow gotten radicalized by uh, uh, Iraqi-sponsored jihadi propaganda, which Iraq has nothing to do with this. Um, and, and, and stole bioweaponizable anthrax that he mailed out. And anyway... That's a joke. And things have been written on global research on this that, that people can check out. But my point is, it was at that point that Dick Cheney was able to pass uh, things like the BioShield Act that basically uh, hyperinflated the bioweapons infrastructure spending budget. And when you look at what Dick Cheney was a part of as a co-author of the Product for New American Century... Um, just which was sort of the founding manifesto for the neocon takeover of the U.S. for those years, and that's still here, unfortunately. Um, there was something called the um, Rebuilding America's Defenses, which literally said that uh, combat in this the year 2000, that this manifesto, the, the RAD manifesto, co-authored by Dick Cheney and Richard Pearl and William Crystal and John Bolton, they all wrote Basically this. Basically the crazies. The crazies, yeah. They be, and they said explicitly that the new American century, the unilateral, unipolar American century, is in combat. And they, they point out two enemies, two threats of the danger of a rise of Russia and China as regional powers that might work together. That was the greatest threat that they said they have to stop at all costs in it. So to say that China and, 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 uh, and the U.S. are working together to do this, to create a coronavirus, to destroy Western values or whatever, uh, it's bullshit. Because people even say yeah. that. They hey, man. Um, but they... Yeah. Real quick. So yeah. you touched base on a lot of qu quite a few things. I just want to remind people something, right? Um, usually when there's a, a, a psychopathic criminal or a serial killer, right? He always sometimes leaves clues behind. In terms of the U.S., 
Not only does he leave clues behind like a fingerprint, but he drops his wallet with his photo ID, his next of kin, his address, everything. Okay, that's what the U.S. does. I want to remind people of a litany of things that Matt touched upon in terms of these bioweapons. He brought up, you know, Fort Detrick in Maryland, the whole anthrax scare and how they were so quick to blame Saddam Hussein on that entire nonsense. We're, we're living in a country that has used Lyme disease on its own people. Mm-hmm. You're living in a country, folks, okay, where the, there was the, the, I believe it was the U.S. Navy that carried out Operation Sea Spray off the coast mm-hmm. of California where they were spraying different variations of bacteria. That, you know, they thought, oh, it's going to be safe and blah, blah, blah. And many people were severely hurt. Many became held. Many became hospitalized. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're talking about a country, in, you know, who tested fungal spores, okay, on its population, right? Who, you know, many of whom, and they targeted specifically targeted African Americans, and the scientists wanted to test a theory that they were more susceptible to fungal disease than Caucasians. So without anybody knowing, here they are spraying fungal spores in certain neighborhoods. You're talking about a country that used chemicals, okay, to test the potential of biological weapons in the 1950s. I believe it was uh, zinc cadmium sulfide. Zinc cadmium sulfide was dispersed by a by aircraft. It was sprayed over you know cities like St. Louis and, and, and Minneapolis. And they chose these cities because uh, yeah, because some idiot moron in the Defense Department said, yeah, it looks uh, very similar to Moscow <laughs> in, in, terms of te- uh, in terms of terrain uh, and weather and population yeah. density. Yeah. This is the country that does this. And that's just a bit of it. There's, there's Project 112. There's, there's um, yeah. uh, all sorts of crazy, like the, the, the Tuskegee experiments. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on and on. So you have one country. Over and over and over again, it's caught red-handed in the cookie jar. Go ahead, Matt. Exactly. No, I'm so glad you just went through that that amazing litany of, of, of crimes. Uh, and and when has China to again get at the nature of things? What are what is the nature of the things we're talking about of the people and of the institutions of the nations that we're talking about and trying to lay blame on? Has China? Do they have a track record of that? Have they demonstrated a, a quality of empire like that or of bioweapons? deployment like that. No, I, I don't see anything, anything comparable to that proven track record. Um, and, and I was just going to read this quote, because I think this just amplifies that point, that in the Products for a New American Century RAD document, it was said that combat in this new American century will likely take place in new dimensions, in space, cyberspace, and perhaps the world of microbes advanced forms of biological warfare that can target specific genotypes may transform biological warfare from the realm of terror to a potentially politically useful tool. I mean, that's just them saying it, you know? Um, And then what you have coming out of the application politically of BioShield Act, $50 billion budget on bioweapons processes, what all of these I mean, you look at this, these, these maps of the U.S. international bioweapons laboratories spread out all over the world. The, the Russian foreign ministry has warned about this. Um, Matt, uh, real quick, it's, Matt. Just, it's wild. Yeah. Do you remember like two years ago? Or was it was three years ago, Matt. I, don't, I, don't, I think you probably might remember this. Remember that U.S. bioscientists were caught in Russia harvesting Russian DNA? Do you remember that? No. 
Oh, dude, that was yeah, that was a big thing. You keep talking. I'll I'll, I'll bring up the article. This was crazy as hell. This was nuts, and I think they they were caught and they were arrested and kicked out. Go ahead, I'll I'll pull it up. Yeah, because I know that Lavrov came out uh, with I think Shoigu and Zakharova back in 2018, and they they really uh, called out the especially the U.S. bioweapons labs in uh, Georgia. Um, but that they, they brought it into the broader con- uh, discussion that a lot of people weren't paying attention to. So I guess that was connected. I didn't know about that specific case. Um, but I, I, I don't want to like move it off topic, but, but one of the key things that one of the biggest dangers we could have is to come to conclusions based on a, a piece of physical evidence that a, a, a appeals to our empirical sense perception. Um, and oh, there it is. That's the Russians' DNA taken by foreign agents. Kremlin says, "Oh my God, look at that." Yeah, I gotta. Okay, that I will be looking into that. That's fascinating. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, why is why? And that's what the Chinese Foreign Ministry last year, uh, back in 2000 February, when they they shared a couple of articles by Larry Romanov, uh, their Foreign Ministry spokesman, and and they were basically on the evidence towards uh, targeting because certain uh, population centers genotypes. Iranian, Italian, some some uh, varieties of Asian, were were finding much more uh, drastic rates of transmission and um, physical disruption to their health, rather than Caucasian and other other groups. So they were like, okay, well, it does seem like th- there could be this uh, as part of the design of this thing. Um, so that's that's a factor in, in life we got to deal with. That's part of our world. And just like, you know, again, the danger of jumping to conclusions, what the oligarchy does and what intelligence agencies like to do is they, they first cast out, they profile their, their target population for um, uh, basically they want, they, they want to get a certain behavior out of a target population. They know that there's certain prejudices, ignorance uh, points inside of the USA, a certain problem of cultural exist, uh, yeah, existentialism on the one hand, but also exceptionalism on the other hand. And so they've, on the one hand, planted seeds of doubt about big bad China, Confucius Institutes, Chinese spy rings, all these things, without really proving any of those things were true. But they've done it now for a long time, such that when we see a physical piece of evidence, we're like, oh, that's it. That confirms all of the suspicions. Let's go full hog. And now there's a danger where a lot of people are, are jumping the gun, jumping the conclusions. And that's what they're, they've been programmed to do. We saw, we saw the danger of this with Iraq right when when the buildings came down what was what was the smoking gun found on the floor uh in the rubble of the world trade center were the the intact passports of these different saudi operatives that were supposedly on these planes that were tied to iraq that somehow proved iraq was in on it um or when when colin powell goes to the united nations saying look mi6 uh proved we we got this yellow cake and they've proved using anonymous sources uh, that this physical evidence is tied directly to Nigerian uranium purchased by Iraq by Saddam Hussein that wants to use weapons of mass destruction on the Western world. And immediately we 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 acquiesced to things that involved the total destruction of millions of lives and potentially the disruption of our entire world into the future um, based on this problem of that were, were, were the passports do do passports survive? the disintegration of a, of a so-called plane in a building that took down two trade centers, if that was the case, which it's it completely plausible that p- paper passports could survive uh, the high heat and fires of an explosion and uh, conveniently descend just, just a few feet from the building from whence the building collapsed. 
Yeah, completely like plausible. That. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the actual plane <laughs> itself, there's no evidence of that got vaporized. Oh no, 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 right? No, no. 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 See, so, the, the the metal planes uh, matter made from the latest composite material, where uh, the, the, the they just don't hold up as good as passport paper. Yeah, yeah. You, you, they touch fire. It's like that's why they say people were wondering why you you should, you have that no smoking sign in your plane in it yeah. when you're in a plane. It's because if if you're smoking and it gets a little bit too hot or an ash falls in the plane, it, it vaporizes. Yep. So that's yep. actually happens all yeah. the time in the air, man. Happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all I have to say, like that's the thing with with currently these receipts that are being used as the evidence, the smoking gun evidence to say, okay, look, China is the ultimate crime syndicate villain of the the show, and a lot of these these people are are also looking at things like what's going on in the Middle East and thinking, okay. You know, there's a lot of Christian fundies who are given interpretations that, okay, what's happening oh, in the Middle East currently and inflaming between Israel and Palestine is the the revelation, the book of Revelation manifesting in reality. Finally, at the end times, the we end have, times. yeah, you know, like the, the whole economy is collapsing. A lot of people can't pay their it's bills. They, want, they, they just want to be raptured, frankly, you know, like they're, they're going they no, to be captured, Matthew. They're not going <laughs> to be raptured. They're going to be captured. Well, their minds have already been captured. But yeah. They, they, <laughs> And so they're just like they're they're latching onto these things and, and China becomes the gog, the, the northern villain, or, or in some cases they, they twist, they spin it as China and Russia together are the gog in the, the forecast of, of the book of John. Um, and, and, and America is you know, God's chosen country because it stands with Israel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and this stuff is all brand new in terms of, uh, you know, the history of Christianity. This is not something that was there hundreds of years ago as an interpretation of the book. That's something that came relatively recently, yep. um, which I'd like to say something about soon, but not yet. Yes. Um, but but the, the one thing to keep in mind, and, I, and I, again, I, I just had this, this, this thought of Shakespeare, because if you really want to get a sense of the empire and how to inoculate yourself from falling for traps that the empire sets to get their, us to destroy ourselves... Because China is, frankly, one of the key sal- points of salvation if the, if the U.S. and the West are going to avoid a great reset and avoid a one-world government and depopulation. It's because we're, we, we choose to accept China's many offers to work together on big infrastructure projects around the world, which China and 135 countries are working together already on. And if we continue to see China as the enemy rather than, like, it's the water to put out the fire, if we keep, continue to see water as, like, the evil thing when we're on fire... We're screwed. So one of the key things it, it, to inoculate the mind against this these sorts of traps is Shakespeare. And what Shakespeare does, especially in uh, his plays in Venice that are stationed in Venice, uh, and I'm thinking right now of The Merchant of Venice, but the one I want to talk about is Othello. He exposes all of this. Yeah. In Othello, well, what's the story? Break that down. This is yeah, it's 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 so useful, and people should just you know you could you could you could listen to it on you could listen to the Verdi opera version of it. You could read it. it it's just so rich of, of psychology, geopolitical uh, understanding. And what do you have? You have a, a more a, a, an insecure but great man from Africa who was born into slavery, and he got out of slavery and worked his way up through competency to becoming a commander of the navy of Venice and a, and a major war hero. Uh, a really good person, ultimately, but he had insecurities because he's married to a, a young, beautiful girl um, from part of the, the Venetian nobility. Her, This girl's family, obviously, they're white people and they're kind of like, you know, they're, they're, they discriminate against uh, the black, against the more, against the black guy. And uh, and he always feels, despite his greatness, that he's, he's inferior uh, because he's being judged. 
um, everywhere he goes. Um, and so he's got that. He's got a sense of jealousy too because she's so beautiful and, and people like her. Um, but she loves him. They're committed. Like their 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 marriage and their happiness and love together is is really great at the beginning. But he also has a, a and he has a close friend. Um, forgot his name all of a sudden. But he's got a close friend who's his lieutenant, trusted guy. They fought battles together. Really trust him. Really good guy. Um, totally honorable. So everyone's pretty honorable, but with with certain psychological problems and weaknesses. And then you got this other weird character, and this weird character is named Iago. Iago has this reputation of being a, an insightful man who knows the hearts of men. And he's, he's known as Honest Iago because he never tells a lie. Iago represents the Venetian intelligence methods to the T. And what Shakespeare lays out transparently in this is how Iago is, is governed by pure misanthropy and hatred. He has a mission to destroy these people, but by getting them to de destroy themselves. And they all trust him. Except for Desdemona, uh, Iago, uh, Othello's wife. But she's the only sort of like sane person who's who's at one with herself, who knows herself. Everyone else have qualities that are exploitable. And so what Iago's doing is he's going to Othello saying, you know, I, I know your, your best friend there. He really, um, he seems to really like your wife a lot. And I, I've seen your wife and him together quite a bit. And, uh, you know, people are talking. And, and he's basically just inflaming um, the jealousy that he can see is already there. And, and Othello's like, no, I don't want to believe that. And, but, but he keeps on doing that pulling him aside, saying, look at this, look at this. But at the same time, as he's setting up Othello's friend uh, with situations of having him uh, talk to Othello's wife and things and, and, and casting down. So he's creating a situation of suspicion. And uh, and he's doing the same thing to Othello's friend, who has weaknesses too. Um, yeah, Cassio. Certain, he's using Cassio against Cassio. Uh, Thank yeah, you. Desdemona. Yeah. And at a certain point, uh, Othello... He, he's raging in the inside, full of doubt and conflict, doesn't know what to think about his friend and his wife, who, who again, love him. And the thing that nails, the, the nail in the coffin of this whole story is a handkerchief that Othello had given to Desdemona when they had first began dating as a sign of their love. And Desdemona cherished this, but it was stolen um, through a, somebody who was working in, in her entourage and, and planted onto Cassio's possession. And as soon as Iago orchestrates the discovery of this handkerchief on Cassius' possession, um, that's it for Othello's mind. That's all he needed was that physical piece of physical evidence to see with his senses so that now all of a sudden he was driven by a new commitment that led to his murdering his devoted wife and his friend dies too. Yep. Um, total and he's destroyed himself along the way uh, in the process of doing this. He's undermined all of the greatness, the great good things he could have done in life. He just totally undermines his life is destroyed. Now, Shakespeare is showing you exactly what not to do and how to understand the techniques of empire. More recently, to see an example of that, what's happening now with China and this whole Wuhan thing, uh, the Wuhan lab, lab hypothesis being pushed by this empirical evidence that's getting people to even believe that not non-existent evidence is true too, that we're being told exists, but no, no evidence, um, is the Guzenko affair in 1946. So the thing that actually started the Cold War that got the allies, the, the allies who trusted each other because they both risked everything to fight and stop fascism from becoming a one world government in, in the 1940s was Russia and the United States under Stalin and Franklin Roosevelt. I'm not here to come into a defense of Stalin. He had a lot of problems, but what I am here to say and I, and I think maybe a lot of his problems are actually slanders too. I mean, I think that there's there's that to look into. But my point being right now 
is that Russia and America together had a common vision under Roosevelt that the the world would be cleansed of colonialism as the New Deal and the battle against Wall Street in the city of London that was successfully waged in the 30s and 40s by Roosevelt would be internationalized and extended to the rest of the world so the world would become uh, a society of self-governing, independent, sovereign nation states working on big projects to improve the quality of lives of their people, like looking for points of common interest, regardless of your, if you're Christian, Muslim, Jewish, Confucian, whatever. Um, that was the orientation, and that had to be broken. Now, what broke it was, on the one hand, it wasn't just the death of FDR. that did He did die in suspicious circumstances way before he should in his fourth term, before he could manifest these policies into greater action. And he had policies for the Middle East, for, for massive high-tech investment into South America, into, into China, the, uh, and into Russia. Like, there was programs for building the Bering Strait. Like, they're, they're, that's on paper. That's investigatable. These were the designs of the world that should have been. So he dies. And then what breaks the U.S. and Russia apart, as well as the entire sort of world from uh, capitalist and communist sort of dichotomies? Um, that becomes not Winston Churchill's Iron Curtain speech, which is what a lot of people think. But it was actually that speech only had its effect because of a one-year propaganda campaign beginning in September of 1945, right after the war was done, and the, the OSS was being disbanded and purged of all of the patriots of America. Um, and what happened in September 1945? Well, there was the Gusen, a, a, a young 20-something-year-old idiot, corrupt cipher clerk from the Russian embassy defected in Canada. So he, in Ottawa, defected, went to uh, basically the, the Ottawa, the RCMP, uh, Canadian intelligence forces that were being run by the British. And he took with him a bunch of documents from the Russian embassy. Now, these documents to this very day, they don't seem to exist. They were classified immediately. And they were when they were declassified in the 1980s, 40 years later, after the after the damage was done, it was revealed through these like massive realms of microfilm that there was no actual evidence that they said existed. It was just like people's uh, phone, like phone books from different parts of the world and people's like, uh, you know, um, CVs and like resumes and, and, and shopping lists and stuff. There was nothing in it. But what, what, what happened was he was absorbed for six months in Ottawa's Camp X, which is run by Kim, uh, William Stevenson, um, intrepid, who's the sort of arch, you know, spy master from the British from the British Empire. He was, he was a Canadian. He ran um, the the special intelligence operations between the U.S., Canada, through and and Britain uh, that sort of created the foundation for the CIA, the reform of the FBI, and uh, and in Camp X, that was sort of the sat. It was a place to to create spies that were focused on counterfeiting, psyops, black arts of 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 you know basically spycraft. And um, and so Guzenka was brought in there for six months while a story was arranged, was packaged with with false documentation to prove that there was this array of agents run by the Kremlin all across the Canadian, U.S. and British bureaucracy, military, academia on the pay of the Kremlin. None of this was true with with special code names and everything um, to destroy Western values. Now. As, as I pointed out, there is no evidence that that actually happened. However, there were secret trials under royal commissions that were made public in the media. And for several months, these were publicized and pumped into people's brains every day that the Kremlin is the new Nazism that's out to destroy us. And, and public sentiment 
became slowly converted to, from seeing Russia as our ally to seeing it as the enemy to be afraid of and 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 to hate it. Um, many people who were running the anti-fascist movement in Canada, members of parliament who were actually really good people, really courageous people who fought Franco, who fought Hitler, who did a lot of really good things, and who were under, who understood the Wall Street, City of London role in funding fascism to begin with and who were exposing it were all labeled on these lists of Kremlin lists, of Kremlin spies, were given false sham trials, given psychological Julian Assange-like torture of multiple weeks of, of sleep deprivation, and given prison sentences. However, many of the they prison were communist sentences, sympathizers, that's what they were. Oh, yeah. Communist and, and, sympathizers. And it's all because we were told there was this evidence and we let the Cold War then happen. Yep. Now, these people, again, were totally innocent. Their lives were destroyed. The ones who were put to prison, right. the vast majority of them who were given sentences were actually, when you look at it, not given sentences for being guilty of the things they were accused of. They were being, they were found guilty of forging passports to get Canadians who wanted to fight in the, in the Louis Papineau Mackenzie brigades uh, against fascist Franco in the Spanish Civil War. I mean, that, that, was, that was a noble thing. That was what they were found guilty for and given prison time for. But the point being is all of the world fell for the Iago. They fell for the Venetian methods that were adopted by the British Empire and that have been governing the world, especially during the, 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 the uh, Cold War period. And, and the, all of that litany of, of, of terrible crimes that you just went through were all crafted and honed throughout that Civil War period, Civil War, uh, Cold War period um, to the present day. Um, this is what Henry Kissinger comes out of as well, yeah. because when Kissinger was working for the Council on Foreign Relations, which was itself the British roundtable movement set up in, in the United States, Kissinger worked for that, as did many of these Rhodes Scholar operatives, and he even said he was loyal more to the British Foreign Office than he was to the American State Department while he was Nixon's Secretary of State. Now, what yep. did he do? Well, this comes into China, because what he did is he turned population reduction, population control into the primary foreign policy agenda of, U of the US from being what it formerly was under people like JFK or Roosevelt, which was an, a, a policy of helping nations end poverty, do technology transfers, help them develop their infrastructure, kind of like what China's doing under the Belt Initiative. That was US foreign policy philosophy for the most part was, was governed by that, that, that value system. He consciously destroyed that on behalf of the CFR and their London masters while he was Secretary of State, and, and this came out with the NSSM 200 report, National Security Study Memorandum 200, that was only made declassified in the 1990s, that targeted 13 countries and stated that basically the U.S. has to enforce sterilization, population reduction, population control in these different zones, because the logic under Kissinger's fucked up mind, I, I hope I don't flag your, your video for swearing, but I mean, it's... it's oh, no, no, we, we swear here all the time, bro. Don't even worry about it. Okay, good. It's, 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 it's so swear worthy, uh, but it was, it was that if they developed the way that they wanted to using things like the Japanese model and develop their industry and, and what have you, then they would be overpopulated. They would start utilizing the resources that were under their soil, which is in the strategic interest of the U.S. And also it would drain down the system into increased accelerated entropy, resulting in a physical collapse. That's why he's a Malthusian, because in his world, there is no creative power of human the human mind to, to discover new things outside of a closed system of resources that define our population limits that's all that matters for people like him who want to balance physically mathematically the equation of humans human population with 
the Earth physical system. So basically, these 13 countries of which Egypt and, and Mexico were, were among uh, involved also his plans for China. Because the overarching thing was how do you how do you get the U.S., just like Iaga, right? How do you get your enemy to destroy himself? Don't physically do it against him because Othello's too strong, too loved. He's got too much dignity. He he won't allow you to physically take him to destroy him. But you could do, do it more effectively by getting him to do it himself. So what Kissinger was a part of putting into operation was a new post-industrial consumer society transformation of the economy as well as of the geopolitical paradigm. Economically, the idea was to export all of the former industries that the U.S. had built up, especially after the 30 post-war years, using protectionism, long-term national development, the American system of political economy. For those amongst your, your viewers who are aware of this, um, this is not British free trade. It's not libertarianism. It's not communism. It's not Adam Smith. It's specifically the American system of political economy that defined the U.S. Constitution and revolution. Now, that's that's not taught in schools, but that was and is a governing principle. So he wanted to destroy that. And he wanted to do, what he wanted to do was to create a world defined by producer have-nots, people who would be the Morlocks, and or sort of, if you think like H.G. Wells and the time machine, you know, the, the idea was to have like the dirty poor people who would be just the forever slaves having the, the doing the production of cheap stuff for the, the, the LOI, the, the, the beautiful people of the consumer class, first the developed mm. sector who would just forever be consumers. And that would be the way the world would be dichotomized. And for those who would not, who would be even lower on that rung, because, you know, the Chinese and later on the Mexicans were supposed to be the, the dirty producers uh, who would be in stasis and be too poor always to purchase what they produce. But that would be then exported to the Western markets that used to produce for ourselves. So everyone had this codependency with the middlemen of these, these few select corporations and financiers controlling the levers. Um, but then for those who were even lower on the rung was mostly black Africa, um, which was supposed to just be in a perpetual dark age of constant war, ignorance, uh, starvation, while we um, did the Cecil Rhodes thing on their, their, um, their diamonds and their oil and everything else we could, we could rape from their land. So that was supposed to be how the world was, was it, it worked out really nicely as a sick misanthropic, you know, mathematician looking at a, at a blackboard. It looked really like that. That's the crystallized, you know, ideal. China played along with it to a certain point. And I think under the gang of Ford, Kissinger loved the cultural revolution. He loved what was done by the destruction of Confucianism, the cutting off of, of Chinese history, the, its ancient history during the cultural rev revolutionary period run by, again, the gang of Ford. He loved that and wanted that to be the forever model for China that would then be transposed to the rest of the world under population controls. However, uh, Mao died. As soon as Mao died, the Gang of Four had no protection. They were put in prison. And people often miss that when they try to demonize China, people like James Corbett. They miss this. They overlook this. And they, they don't realize that there was a bit of a coup where the Gang of Four's enemies under the, the Shu and Lai network, who is a, actually a really good person who worked with India, Jawaharlal Nehru, a lot of African leaders to create the Bandung Conference. Yep. Uh, but Zhu and Lai had the four moderniza modernization vision to advance and create a fully, fully self-sovereign, uh, um, scientifically advanced China, which was a big deal talking back then because China was still a third world country largely. They, they, it, was, it was really backwards. And he had this long-term vision, and his his key ally was Deng Xiaoping, who became the head of China after Mao. 
and Deng Xiaoping was thinking on a much further far-sighted level than than Kissinger his ilk were and the the thing is they agreed they they were al- they were allowed to access because they needed industry they needed tech to to get out of poverty um they agreed to go along with receiving that to be the, the cheap market exporter for the West under, and they were given the condition that you'd have to do, and that's what the World Bank, the Rockefeller Foundation, things like Gates's father was a part of the Rockefeller Foundation operation for Planned Parenthood that came out of the Eugenic Society. Um, they were told you got to do population control. You got to put one child max on, which to this very day, China is, is suffering from, and they're trying to re- uh, overcome and heal from this, but it's it's been a long time going. But that was the condition. Now, Ch- China was thinking much, much more advanced as we're now discovering such that, you know, Soros is now coming, ha- has come out saying over the last years that Xi Jinping's China is the number one threat to his open society um, after Trump's Trump's USA. And they were successful. Yep. Soros Soros and his operations, as we know, were successful in, in doing what they did in the United States. They were not so successful so far in carving up China using similar color revolutionary operations in Hong Kong or Xinjiang or Tibet, although they're still trying. And a lot of this stuff feeds back into the China Wuhan narrative controllers like Richard Dearlove, who was an early promoter last year in June 4th, 2020, of the uh, the China Wuhan um, scenario as single causality. So all that to say, you got this whole thing. It's all a psyop. Uh, it's a Venetian styled psyop to get us to think our our ally our water is our is our enemy is the is a poison that while we're on fire um we promised and we're i know we're running towards the end of our our little segment here but you know the middle east what the how does this all play into the middle east because a lot of people are 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 becoming totally intellectually castrated thinking okay rapture's coming this is end times i see i see the system collapsing I'm, i'm gonna interpret all of this stuff as the end times. China's the big, that's God. Uh, look at what's flaring up in the Middle East. That's that's the, the sign of the end times rapture. Um, the first uh, part of prophecy was that the Jews would have their homeland. The second part of the prophecy that I, that they were told was that there'd be a, a, a fight in Gog and Magog and like these, these multi-headed beasts that would emerge from the, the, the waters Jeez. in the Bible. Very yeah. symbolic stuff. They're like, that's yeah. obviously China. That's it's obviously Russia and China. It's obviously. <laughs> right. Okay, what the hell are you this? It's totally symbolic, loose, like... Where does this come from? It's British. It's a British operation. This whole thing, it's completely British. And there's good, there's wonderful things about Christianity and Judaism and, and Islam, which obviously the Frankfurt School, Tavistock, all of these social engineers who have been running roughshod over the 20th century, they hate it. That, that's why people like Timothy Leary and Aldous Huxley had said explicitly that Christianity is the enemy. People like G- Brock Chrisholm, the founder, the first director general of the world, uh, uh, um, World Health Organization, 1948, yes. said that the biggest enemy, the biggest cause of the mental sickness of humanity that we have to as, and he's Tavistock, he works for Tavistock um, in Britain, is Christianity, Christian values, the family, family values, and the love of nation. These are the things we have to cleanse society from to get a, a, a mentally healthy, mentally cleansed human society. So all of these people, they obviously are afraid of something in Christianity, but there's something they were able to create these sub-sects, sub-cults that would then be weaponizable and deployable that would look and sound kind of Christian, but would be governed by crazy. Um, one of those things that were led by a British operation tied to the Rosicrucians, which you and I talked a little bit before this show yep. started, was run by uh, a fellow named Darby. 
what's it, John? John, John Darby. Darby. John Darby. He is the father of pre-tribulation rapture. He's the one who says, before anything bad happens, the church will be raptured out of here. And we'll be caught up in the air to meet him. And we will all be transformed in twinkling of an eye. That guy. That's the guy. You're one of the few people I know who actually know about this. This is so good. Uh, yeah, and, and this guy is like really integrated into the British uh, intelligence operation. Like his yep. his father-in-law is Lord Horatio Nelson, the guy who did the Battle of Trafalgar and yep. a very like high-level military uh, operative. Um, yep. Very, very tight. Conian, the whole nine yards. Yeah, and he's explicit. Uh, Darby, uh, when he comes to the to to the United States, he does several tours across the United States and creates these schools of, as you said, uh, premillennialism, based yep. on interpretation, a specific interpretation of the Book of Revelation, and then the idea of rapture comes out of this too, um, which is not in the Bible. It, no, it's, it's not. not. In the, nowhere. Uh, he basically. Takes you got to do a lot segments. of scripture twisting to 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 get it there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, like I talk to people who believe in this stuff all the time, and and you know, like you look in the book of Thessalonians, they're like, oh yeah, it's all in Thessalonians. Like, okay, when well, you look in those sections in Thessalonians, but letters by Paul to Thessalonians, and um, it doesn't paint the picture it, of a, a, a rapture no, like, at all. Yeah, times there will come up and meet Jesus, you know, like it's very like po poetic language, um, but 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 they literally interpret. They're literalists. They call themselves yeah. fundamentalists because they're like we're all about the fundamentals. We believe things literally, and it's like and if Whoa. you don't, then you're 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 a heathen and a heretic. Yeah. <laughs> well, literally, it doesn't say that either. Like the idea that at the the end time, supposedly when and the the, the millennialists say big things happen, God does interventions mathematically every thousand years, and now we're at like one of these things. And back in the nineteenth century, they were like, okay, the civil war is coming on. That's the end times, um, and and. At that at those times um what you have is a that is that will will disappear from our clothing our clothing will fall to the ground and we'll will then just show up into heaven while the rest of the world who are sinners and didn't find jesus uh have to live in years of tribulation here on the earth where the where the devil basically yeah. runs a, a nuclear war and dominates kirk the world cameron for... showed us the way kirk cameron showed us when he was starring as a as a Bucky something in 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 the Left Behind series. Oh my God! You watch, I watched those. I watched those when I was a kid. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that traumatized me. Get the hell out of me, man. Yeah, me too. That's like oh crap. I lost a lot of sleep as a kid. I was like, damn, I'm a sinner. I, I... I'm like, I'm screwed. He's yeah. coming, man. I just thought about boobies. I'm done. Oh no. My mom be like, um, if, you, if you've terrified, just pray to Jesus. I don't want to pray to him. He's gonna kill me. Yeah, he was He's scary, man. Guys, like <laughs> he was like John Hagee and Benny Hinn and stuff. He's oh God, guys. Benny Flynn, that moron. Oh, yeah, but they're Bunch all into, word of like, faith, they're, they're blabbing, grabbing idiots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they're all shaped by this school of thought. That's where they come yeah. from. And 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 this uh, uh, Darby basically convinced people that okay, prophecy foretells that at the end of times, you know, blah blah blah, Jews will get their their homeland and will fight Gog, Magog. Then you know, rapture happens, we'll go to heaven, and the people who are sinners they burn on, on the earth. And then somehow, after like a thousand years of of uh, the devil reigning, then will Jesus will take back, and the world will become fully Christian and and live forever. Um, <clears throat> So, I mean, it's a really, really weak interpretation of something which isn't really in the Bible. And um, one of the things that I think is important is that this is also there in political Zionism. So the founder, at the same time working with the networks controlling Darby, was pe were people like Lord Shaftesbury, uh, Ashley Cooper, 
who uh, was Lord Shaftesbury, was the first official modern Zionist, as we know it as a political movement, where he created things like the Palestinian Expedition Fund in the 1870s um, in order to create a new movement of encouraging Jews to transplant themselves into Palestine, Gog and Magog, right, that zone, as a geopolitical tool. So as, as, as a place in the, in the world map that if you can keep that zone in chaos, that's the intersection of the great cultures of Africa, Egypt, uh, you know, China, the, Russia, Europe, it all intersects in that strategic pivot place. Um, and so on the one hand, you had this other thing where a lot of these these more radical Zionist networks, and there's there's really good Jewish schools of thought, including I've seen really sane and good uh, Zionists who are eminently sane people. They, they, they believe in a Jewish homeland. Okay. Do they believe that they're a superior chosen race? No, they don't. They don't hang on to that part. They hang on to the idea. Okay. We had a homeland and and we've got to work together with, with the Arabs and, and, and develop science, technology, and share it. And people like uh, Yitzhak Rabin, for example, is an example of that. The prime minister who was assassinated. And we know what happened to him. Yeah. And was it an, was it an Arab who, was, who assassinated him? No. Yep. It was like a Darbyite. Well, it was a, it was a, it was a Palmerstonian. It was a Herschelite. Uh, it was a ben It was a ben I don't know about Ben-Gurian. But anyway, yeah, it was definitely a, like a Rabbi Cook Kabbalist network of, of kooks um, who were radical Zionists who killed uh, Ben-Gurion, uh, 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 Yitzhak Rabin, because Oslo Accord, he was threatening a two-state solution. He was basically threatening peace in the Middle East. He had to be killed because uh, it, it would have worked. And, um, and so it gives you an example. When people say, oh, it's, it, they, they, they label things all one thing, right? Oh, it's all Zionism, Zionism is bad. Well, no, look at the differentiation. Why did a Zionist kill a Zionist? There's something else going on. And, um, and, and, and Yitzhak Rabin located his identity in the deeper... I mean, he made a lot of mistakes. He did a lot of bad things, but he changed. And, and he even said, you know, why do you, why, why did you change? Why do you, why are you talking to Arafat? Um, and he's like, well, uh, the, the future belongs to those who have the, the courage to change their axioms. He's like, I changed. I realized how I was thinking badly uh, geopolitically about. This. So anyway, this is what was then created as a movement of, that, that was led at, back in the, in the 1930s, 40s by people like Jabotinsky, um, the guy who Ben-Gurion rightfully called Vladimir Hitler, who said that, you know, he would have preferred, he would have happily joined the Nazis if they weren't anti-Semitic. Um, and and who's, who is Jabotinsky's, who, who is the founder of the greater Israel doctrine, the idea that Israel's mandate is not just to control that little tiny area of Israel, it's, it's to control all of Palestine, most of Syria, a lot of Turkey, a lot, all of Jordan, Lebanon. I mean, that, that's, that's a, a big, big governing philosophy. Um, who was his key personal secretary was Benjamin Netanyahu's grandfather who passed down all who's part of this network had passed down that, that crazy modality of thinking to his, his grandson. Um, so the only difference between the, the, the Christian sort of Darbyites who again, Lincoln was pissed with these people because this was spreading like a virus during the civil war where people were, you know, it's a time of war, just like today, it's a time of, of danger of war, economic collapse, a lot of despair increases, misanthropy, fear of the future increases, and with that, a tendency to find hope in cults. And a lot of these people were, were jumping on board the Darby wagon, and, uh, you know, rather than pick up a rifle and fight to save the Union, you had thousands of people across the North basically sitting on the rooftops the way Darby said you should at the end times and wait to be raptured. And Lincoln's like guys, please like fight. And they would, they, they wouldn't do it. Um, so, but how are, are these networks 
the same. The the the, the Zionist and the, the Christian Zionists basically, you know, the only difference is where one side thinks that at the end times that we have to make happen. This is like people like William Crystal, the founders of the, of the Project for New American Century. A lot oh, of them. God, another, another um, group of geniuses. Yeah, they, they they emanate lawfully out of this process. George Bush Senior is not a controller. Was never a controller. Uh, sorry, Junior was not a controller of anything. He was an idiot. But he 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 changed his love of of uh, cocaine to the love of Jesus. That's he became his new drug, as as uh, Harley Schlanger has, has said on on different occasions. Um, I mean, the, these guys came out of this process and they were weaponizable as the political military expression of Darbyism in the modern age. So their idea was, okay, at the end times, if 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 it's for, if it's prophesied, then it's good to we have to make because God wills it. And if God wills it, it must be good because it's in prophecy. And if it's not happening, we should be making it happen to be instruments of God's will. That's that's the, the logic, right? How crazy is that? And and so in their mind, they're doing God's work by advancing uh, burning the world. Um, the difference between the, the radical Zionists who are thinking in somewhat similar terms is that in their world, the, the, the Messiah is going to come for the first time in the, in the Jewish world view, which doesn't have the new Testament, obviously. Whereas in the, the Christian fundy side of the, he's of coming the back world, multiple times on the same yeah. night, Matthew, that's what he's going to yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my God. And, and and one side thinks the other side is just going to become Christian, you know, and and so they're both working together. They're they're very much in alignment. And the people who are laughing this whole time are the same uh, social engineers in London, laughing their 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 balls off because they're they are they know that these idiots have everything to gain by working on big projects with the Belt and Road Initiative. Their children would 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 benefit immensely if the U.S. and Israel. And Palestine and all of the Arab countries working with China and other nations of and like Russia on common development projects that benefit everybody and bring dignity, pulling us out of poverty as China has done a hundred, uh, a billion people out of poverty in a, in like a few decades. That's incredible. Um, we would all benefit. We would all work, recognize a higher interest as human beings first, and whatever religion we are as a secondary thing that we respect and tolerate and 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 appreciate in each other's common existence as human beings.